Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And Bruce, there weren't any games this week. There wasn't much to report in the way of scores, but there was a lot going on in terms of news and the direction of the second half of the season and this year for both teams. Cubs get going with their fire sale, I suppose, identifying themselves as sellers, and the White Sox get back in action against the Astros, but a lot of conversation about how aggressive they will be as buyers. Good morning. We will be here until 11 o'clock. How are you doing, Bruce? I'm doing great, David. Good morning to you, and good morning to our great listeners. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Haw. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you every Saturday 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball, 9 to 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. The number to reach us, either text or phone line, is 312-644-6767. And David, you're right, uh, there wasn't a lot going on. The All-Star game was interesting. If you like the home run derby, I think the game itself was a little bit boring, except uh, for maybe the uh, Joe Buck interview with uh, with Chris Bryant uh, that brought on <laughs> Uh, some activity from uh, Chris's dad and uh, some commentary. And, of course, the, uh, the Tim Anderson uh, coming in late to the game and playing in the eighth and ninth inning but not getting in at bat uh, caused a little bit of a stir. But otherwise, it's all about the trade deadline right now, David, and uh, uh, the uh, additions and subtractions. We saw a subtraction for at least 2021 when uh, Jack Peterson was traded on Wednesday the Atlanta Braves for a left-handed power hitter named Bryce Ball from the Atlanta Braves farm system. And um, that cannot be looked at any by any stretch of imagination other than the first, the, the first shot by the Chicago Cubs front office saying, you know what, um, this is what we have to do to get better. Um, we yeah. haven't made a move backwards since... Uh, the U Darvish deal uh, back when they did the salary dump of that uh, back in the in the late winter, and uh, now uh, 
the Cub players and uh, the Cub fans have to face the fact that um, there's going to be some subtractions of names that you've seen for a while and addition of young guys that you've never heard of. Absolutely true, Bruce. I think that move, because it was the first one and because of the nature of the schedule this week, received a lot of attention and scrutiny, but I don't think that people should confuse that with significance. That was just the first deal, a, a, a Class A first baseman who may turn into a, a productive major league hitter, but he may not. It just so happened that he was traded for Jock Peterson as the Cubs began the process of unloading players and shedding salary and trying to get assets in return. So last night, Friday, back in action, the White Sox lose 7-1 on the south side to the Astros. Lance McCullers was dealing seven innings, 10 strikeouts for the Sox. They were just never able to get it going offensively. They are now 0-5 against the Astros. Meanwhile, the Cubs out in Arizona a little bit later night for you, Bruce, and people watching, but it was worth the wait because they they, they come out on top against a, a very bad, historically bad, perhaps, Diamondback team. They beat them 5-1. to one. Kyle Hendricks, Major League leading 12th win, correct? He is now 12-4, and four, as consistent as they come. But let's face it, most of the focus on the Cubs is what's next and who who's going to be the next guy saying his goodbyes. And I think that, you know, there's a very much a sense of inevitability when you and, and uncertainty when you're talking about some of these Cubs players that we have come to get to know pretty well. And as a part of our show, David, today we'll talk to Bob Nightingale, the Bigfoot from USA Today. That's uh, plugged in to Major League Baseball over the all over the place. He'll join us at 9:30. Sean Marshall from the Marquee Sports Network will join us at 10 o'clock to talk some Cub baseball. We will talk Cubs and Sox all program long. And David, uh, you know. Some some interesting things, uh, takeaways from last night's game. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with the Chicago White Sox. As you mentioned, uh, now 0-5 against uh, what many consider to be the best baseball team in the American League, the Houston Astros, uh, who represent, if you watch that game and if you watch any of their games other than when they played the White Sox, they bring a tremendously balanced, talented uh, lineup to the ballpark every day and a well-pitched game every day. No uh, rotation in baseball uh, has uh, a better uh, ERA than the Houston Astros. The, the White Sox are second. So uh, this, is a, this is a really good ball club. And uh, the White Sox have not been able to um, be their equal at this point. Uh, it's five games, but um, it's been total domination in those five games. The White Sox have been in a few of them. But uh, some of these games ended up like last night's where it was a a close game. Cease was pitching extremely well to start the game, striking everybody out. And then all of a sudden, one inning and it gets away. Um, So that that 7-1 game was a lot closer, according to Tony La Russa, than it ends up appearing. But at the end of the day, you end up with a a score and another loss to a team that you want to feel... A little bit better about playing in a, in, a, in, a, in a playoff situation a couple months from now. Right now, uh, I don't think the White Sox can feel very good about themselves when they go up against the Astros. Which is remarkable, Bruce, and I understand, and I don't disagree with anything that you said, but here the White Sox are beginning the second half of this season, 18 games now, over 500. And what you just said, I don't think any White Sox fan would doubt. They don't feel very good about themselves, or it's hard to feel good about the White Sox. They're 18 games over 500, and yet you have these questions that persist because of the record against teams that are 500 or better. And I think right now that's 
according to WhiteSox.com, 16 and 25 against teams like that. So I guess how legitimate are those concerns for a roster that seems set, a pitching rotation that is, you know, pretty consistent, and a bullpen that remains a little shaky? But is that a fair question to ask at this point of the season? Well, it is. You know, look, we're not talking all doom and gloom here. They have the biggest lead in baseball. They have an eight-game lead in a, in a division where it's hard. Just take the, the White Sox out of it. It's hard to imagine Cleveland being good enough to be uh, maybe over a 500 team the rest of the year, the rest right. of the season. So with that, with that in mind, you know, we're pretty much surrendering the, uh, you know, the division to the White Sox. Now, now the goal is to, to stay hungry. We have, a, we have some sound from Tony La Russa yesterday, and uh, I'm alerting our, our great producer, Sean Anderson, about it. Uh, uh, and, and, and Tony here will tell you what the, what the mindset is of the White Sox going into the second half. We're not the 100. We're, we're hunting wins. We're going to go out there every series. We're going to hunt wins. If the other team is hunting wins too, that's great. It's supposed to be, but we're not... We're not defending anything. We're offend- aggressively offending, trying to get wins. And mm-hmm. and that is the mindset that he has to sell to this team. You know, can you get complacent with a big lead, with, knowing that you uh, are probably going to win that division? Uh, Tony Larusa has made a Hall of Fame career out of not letting teams get complacent. So that is his charge. That's the coaching staff's charge in the second half here. They have a lot of guys that are hungry that have never been there. Uh, you know, other than a, maybe a, a little bit of the playoffs last year. So I don't think it's going to be all that difficult. I wonder what your take is on it. I would submit that it's going to be easier, and that's a relative term, But and maybe easy is the wrong way to put it because nothing's easy in baseball. But I think that it will help the Sox combat that complacency that you correctly identify as a, as a, as a concern when you start to, number one, get some players back from – the, the, the being out Eloy Jimenez is on his way sooner rather than later maybe in the next two weeks Bruce that's going to be a charge that's going to be a jolt right a lift if you're a, if you're struggling you know mentally or or you're not hitting as, as a lineup so I think that's number one the other thing is that Luis Robert is going to be on the way back you know you figure at some point Grundahl is in September maybe down the road but until you get to that point I think it's just not on the coaching staff but on the front office now you've got to recognize what you need to do in terms of if you want to keep that 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 hunter mindset mm-hmm. that Tony Larusa referenced, take that to the 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 trade conversations and take that to your roster. Go out and aggressively make a move or moves that puts yourself in a position to remove some of these doubts that have come up when you play good teams like the Astros. That means bullpen. That means second baseman, and that might mean an extra outfield bat. Yeah, and you might want to throw in a catcher as well, a veteran catcher. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want That's to. That's all. You don't want to necessarily. <laughs> you don't necessarily want to count on um, Grandal coming back, okay? Because it's a knee. You know, it's a knee surgery. It's a position where you have to get up and down eight million times a game. So from that perspective, I would say. You know, Collins and Zavala are, are really good young catchers, but you need a veteran catcher going down the stretch. You need a veteran catcher to count on going into the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure Collins can handle most of it, but you don't want two uh, basically rookie catchers catching uh, 
you know, a, a large amount of games at the major league level pretty much for the first time in a pennant run, a pennant run and a playoff uh, series uh, being uh, exposed. Uh, they're not supposed to be veteran catchers. They're young catchers. They're still learning. Collins' growth chart has been outstanding. He, he has really gotten a lot better. But I, I don't think you, you can count on Grandal coming back and catching. He, he might have to just be a DH from time to time when he comes back. So, therefore, uh, I think a catcher is much more important than most people are, are talking about because of the fact that, you know, a veteran catcher to me is really important. Uh, in games like last night, Collins did the best he could uh, in that inning that got away from them. But, you know, Bummer was uh, throwing balls that were breaking like crazy and in the dirt and getting away. And it, and it became a, an, an inning that, uh, you know, separated uh, the game and changed the, the, the tenor of the game totally, David. So, um, you know, when, when you see these things happening, you know that um, a little help from a veteran behind the plate is going to be uh, important. Meanwhile, the tenor of the conversation with the Cubs is entirely different. Uh, we know the context for this season after Jed Hoyer declared the Cubs as being sellers uh, a week ago Thursday, and that process began, as we mentioned, with Jock Peterson. But it's starting as the Cubs reconvened to weigh on, the, on this team, I think, or at least it, it hovered over every conversation, over every game. And, and I think that everyone knows what's going on here. Now, Anthony Rizzo last night has been the source of some of this conversation. He hits a home run, uh, which is, you know, w- was nice for the Cubs to see against a Diamondback team that is, is bad and they should sweep. And all those things are true. But, Bruce, I'll let you kind of set the scene because post game, I think we heard from Anthony Rizzo just be as honest as he can be given the uncertain realities that, you know, players like him, players like Javi Baez, the, who were mentioned in a uh, in a tweet, I think, from John Heyman talking about maybe they will be signing contract extensions with the Cubs or discussing those if before they're put on the trade market. So how would you describe what Rizzo said after the game about all the stuff swirling uh, around the clubhouse? Yeah, David. So, uh, you know, the, the Heyman uh, text, and, and John Heyman is one of the very best uh, reporters out there, and you hear him all the time on, uh, on the score, uh, he, he's not, he's not going to make something up uh, about that the Cubs are uh, uh, seriously considering, you know, over the next two weeks here, uh, changing the tenor of the, the talks about contracts and offering new deals possibly to Baez and Rizzo that haven't been discussed at this point. I, I don't think John Heyman just makes that up. So with that in mind, you know, two things come to mind. Okay, one uh, the Cubs are making their final offer because they want to have a clear mind about being able to trade both of those guys before the deadline. Or two, uh, they're not going to trade them, and they're going to continue to look at these guys as pieces to the puzzle going forward uh, in, in their plans for 2022 and beyond. Uh, there is a, a real good s- a scenario where none of the three guys, Bryant, Rizzo, or Baez get traded, and there are a number of reasons why that might take place, and, and some of them might be their plans for these players in the future, or the fact that they think um, they will offer a qualifying offer and, and take a draft pick for them if they can't sign them in between the time of right now and uh, November when free agency begins. And even after that, 
there's still that possibility. So with all that said, after the game, uh, myself and other reporters talked to Anthony Rizzo after his uh, night where he uh, tied for sixth with Aramis Ramirez in club record in home runs and 10th in extra base hits uh, for a career with the Cubs. And uh, I asked him, you know, straight out, I said, uh, are, are you... Are you able to block this stuff out, or do you believe that uh, you, you will get a contract offer from the Cubs right now? You know, right now, I think, especially these next two weeks, just day day to day, focusing on baseball. All the reports and rumors flying from now until then. Probably put a full scrapbook together and see the roller coaster that it's going to take everyone on. So, um, for me and in, in my position, it's just staying one day at a time and not really worrying about what's going to happen. What's going to happen is going to happen, and none of us have any control of it. What, what are your thoughts about that, David? Yeah. Well, I think he's got to take the professional approach. My, my, my thoughts are that when you see these reports about whether the, what, that the Cubs are inclined to go to Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez to see if they can sign them long-term before they trade them or before they put them on the trade market more aggressively – I think the, the I understand why kind of Bruce because I think Javi might be easier to sign. The number will be lower because of the shortstop market in the off season. I think Rizzo has some intangibles where they might feel like uh, it's worth keeping around, and there might not be a market in the trade, uh, you know, in the trade market that gives you as much in return. But I do wonder if you're going to identify a priority. I think a lot of Cub fans say, "Well, geez, Chris Bryant means more to this team moving forward." Uh, than, than these two guys would in terms of overall value. But what this said to me more than anything was the Cubs recognize how difficult or impossible Chris Bryant will be to sign to a long-term extension. So this was almost just a reinforcement of the inevitability facing Cub fans in the franchise. Let's listen to uh, Rizzo uh, again uh, on the subject of uh, can, can this stuff be blocked out or is, is there some reality to uh, – to, to him signing a contract. I just think you just come in with the right mindset of just trying to win tomorrow. Get onto a good winning winning uh winning ways. We're all hungry for that. Going into the break it was just a lot of us were down and and uh having that reset um and just just winning today. And it's you pull on all in your past experiences and being around and just knowing how this works from afar. You just know it's all going to be speculation until something actually happens. That's a challenge, Bruce. That's a challenge, and I think that goes back to as much as we applauded Jed Hoyer for being as transparent as he was, the, the other side of the coin of that, and I guess the, the flip side of being so transparent and open about your intentions are, your entire clubhouse now knows that you basically have said the second half doesn't matter. What happens on the scoreboard is irrelevant because this team and organization is all about getting ready for the future and we have placed all those priorities about the future ahead of anything about the present. Good luck, David Ross, getting your team to focus under those circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, David. Uh, I, I, would, I would just say that um, these guys are championship caliber players who have uh, gotten very used to winning. Maybe not the World Series every year, but certainly being in the playoffs. And uh, there's a lot of pride there. So th- this is a direct challenge to the guys that are left there. Are they good enough? You know, I mean, you, you hope that they can beat Arizona this weekend. Uh, they're the worst team in, um, in memory for a long time. They have a chance to, to do something very special, and that is uh, not win 40 games this year.
uh, which it, would be the all-time, you know, the all-time record with the, the 62 Mets. Uh, special, but, the right word there. Yeah, it's special. It's it's memorable. <laughs> memorable. I, I mean, I, yeah. I I pulled up the 62 Mets for you right away. You know, when, winning 40 games. I mean, that's that's hard to do. You know, in a baseball season, not not to win at least you know 60, 70 games. Even was Ed Cranepool the first baseman on that team? Yes, he was. Yes, he was, was he? Okay. Yes, I think I remember hearing of Ed, Ed Cranepool. But oh, I, thanks but a you... lot, David. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, but you don't want to be compared to the 62 Mets, and you should beat teams if you're the Cubs who well, are on the I, I brink think, of history like that. I think the point here is that they can walk out of there over 500 going into St. Louis on Monday. Okay? What does it mean? Uh, well, it, it means that they have pride and that they, they feel they feel they're a better team. Look. You take the three teams out of the um, the National League West, right? Okay. Yeah. Which what teams are uh, are significantly better? Maybe the Mets, but but they're having trouble separating from a, a very mediocre division. What team in the National League is really that much better than the Cubs? Brewers with their starting pitching right now. I know, okay. Because all right. So so I'll give you the three teams in the West and the Brewers. Maybe the Mets because of their pitching. But, you know, that's five teams. There's another ten teams that the Cubs are pretty much equal to right now. Your point They is don't valid. want to be equal to them, right? Your point is valid, and it's a good yeah. one, Bruce. I guess my point would be to counter that. They could sweep the Diamondbacks and go on a seven-game winning streak, and I don't think it would change Jed Hoyer's priorities, right? I, I agree. And, I don't, and maybe Cub fans can chime in and tell us whether they think they should or not. Whether the, whether they should continue to try to win this year and not concentrate on the uh, on the future, but you know to be fair about this, and and this is not necessarily just at the feet of Jed Hoyer, this situation with the free agents, with Baez, with Bryant, with Rizzo, um, it should have been dealt with before this. If and we do know there have been conversations about contracts for many years. Since, since 2016 for these players. If the contracts weren't good enough for them and the front office knew that, it was really pretty much incumbent upon them at, at a certain point to not get into this situation of them being uh, two months away from free agency, okay? I mean, they did, they did a terrific job, Hoyer and Epstein, of giving the Cubs a competitive playoff team every year you know they should be applauded for that but if you can't sign your big foot players at some point they have to be traded not two months before the season is going to end and they're going to become free agents again I don't blame the Cubs for this because it, it takes two to tango as far as signing contracts I know they made big big offers to all of these players at one point or another and still may be doing that so I applaud them for that, but you do have to separate yourself from these players if you don't think they're signable. It is a tough balance to strike, trying to look ahead and do the right thing for the future while competing in the present, and the Cubs just found themselves running out of time right now, frankly. So we will see who is next, and the rumors will continue. And the guy who has been reporting on a lot of these trades and trade rumors is Bob Nightingale from USA Today, Bruce. We have him coming up next. We also have later in the show until 11 o'clock at 10, 
We'll check in with Sean Marshall of Marquee. Does a terrific job uh, breaking down the Cubs. We have a lot more conversations. Your phone call is 312-644-6767. With Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. With Bruce Levine, I am David Haw here until 11 o'clock as we are every Saturday morning talking baseball on the score. And at this time, we are pleased to bring in Bob Nightingale from USA Today. And Bob joins us on the guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, David. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for getting up this morning. No, it was a late one. You were, uh, I believe, at the Cub game with the Diamondbacks, and certainly you know the context of this Cub second half, what Jed Hoyer said, and what uh, the process that began with unloading Jock Peterson. I guess, Bob, let's start there. Um, what do you think the Jock Peterson deal uh, said about the Cubs' direction in terms of how quickly they're going to try to execute the plan that Jed Hoyer discussed? Yeah, just kind of verifying what you know what Jed Hoyer said that you know uh, is it's time to it's time to sell off. Uh, it's not gonna, it's not going to happen this year. So you know, kind of interesting that they sell off and the you know, Atlanta Braves who have about the same you know playoff percentage uh, odds. 
you know, are still kind of trying to hang in the race. The difference, of course, you know, talking to Cubs people is that, you know, Atlanta's in the NL East, which is a, you know, horrific division in, uh, you know, in the Central. You know, the Brewers aren't going away and the, and the Reds are hanging around that realistically they have no choice but to start dumping guys. Bob, uh, you know, yesterday I reported on our website, 670thescore.com, that uh, Craig Kimbrell has five suitors of a serious nature um, and that uh, the likelihood of him getting traded is real. When you hear that there's five legitimate teams involved for a guy like Kimbrell, from your experience, does that tell you that um, it'll go down to the last minute because of uh, trying to get the best bid possible uh, from these teams from Hoyer? Yeah, I think the situation where, uh, you know, you always see it where teams ask for the moon and then, uh, you know, at the end, you know, settle for whoever's going to give the best offer. So they're going to get their you know, best package in the last couple of days before uh, the end of the month. You know, I'd be very surprised if he's traded before, say, July 28th, July 29th. Uh, you, know, I, you know, the teams I keep hearing there, you know, uh, Philadelphia, you know, already blown 22 saves. Obviously, everybody knows how aggressive David Browski is. San Francisco Giants, who are for real, uh, they're not going to fade away. And, uh, and I don't discount the uh, Houston Astros, who could, you know, who could certainly use him as well. I just don't know if they'll give up the prospects that, to do so. You know, Bob, so you talk about Kimbrough, and, and you look at the suitors for him, and, and you wonder uh, how long they'll, they'll hold on to him. But I think there's a sense that, okay, everybody needs a closer. Everybody can fit a, a bullpen arm like that into the equation. They'll find a way to pay for it. I wonder if all this conversation that we're having about Chris Bryan and Javi Baez to a lesser degree and certainly Anthony Rizzo, guys who are foundational pieces and have been – are we going to be here at the you know in another week talking about how the Cubs have dealt whether Kimbrel, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin because everybody could use a bullpen piece? Do you think that is going to be the wave of, of moves because of you know you look around baseball and all the rumors in every baseball city seems to be well you know they could add a bullpen arm and the Cubs have a few that, that could help some teams. No, you're right, David, and those guys will uh, you know they'll, they'll be moved for sure and get a you know a little decent return for them. Uh, just because, you know, like you said, everybody needs uh, bullpen help. Uh, in Chris Bryant's case, you know, as, as good as Bryant is, you're not going to get much return. I mean, he's making $19 million, so, you know, you're still going to have to pay about, uh, you know, $6, 7000000 million of that thing. You know, just, you know, just a, uh, a short little rental. Uh, you know, I, I still think he makes, you know, great sense in the uh, New York Mets. I don't okay. discount the Giants. Uh, but Kimball may get – because they get more for Kimbrell than any uh, player that's traded throughout baseball uh, in the next two weeks, particularly the fact he's got that $16 million club option. So I, I think, you know, they may end up getting more for Kimbrell than everybody else combined. I, you know, I don't see, uh, you know, I, I don't see the other guys moving. I don't see Hobby Bias moving. I haven't heard his name at all. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams have first base, but I, I think Anthony Rizzo, you know, stays put and, and stays in Chicago in a contract extension, you know, sometimes this winter. Hmm. Bob, uh, let's move to the south side of Chicago where uh, the White Sox have a, uh, a huge lead in their division. I don't think anyone in baseball that observes uh, the game thinks that Cleveland uh, can stay with it, with, you know, absorbing all the injuries they've had to pitchers and uh, the fact that 
uh, the front office is just not going to add any more offense to that team. Uh, that said, um, when you look at the White Sox and, and you see that they've been dominated so far by Houston in five games, uh, is it incumbent upon uh, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn to go out there and uh, and add a, a couple pieces uh, to the that bullpen there to solidify what they're able to do going forward? Yeah, the bullpen's been uh, disappointing. I mean, remember in spring training, it was like this could be the best, could this be the best bullpen in all of baseball? And, uh, you know, outside of Hendricks, uh, been a big-time disappointment. So, yeah, I, I think they'll go get a uh, a piece there. Uh, you know, I think they'll go get a, uh, you know, a, a second baseman as well, you know, whether it's sliding Trevor Story over to second base or, you know, filling in with, with Escobar or, or, you know, possibly Frazier. And then uh, – I think, too, they got to go get a catcher. You know, they were looking at Stephen Vogt last night, uh, the Diamondbacks, and Vogt, of course, got traded late last night to Atlanta. But they were monitoring him as well, you know, which makes you, you know, makes you think that they got to get somebody there. They don't trust what they have, not knowing when Grand Dawkins back. Yeah, we were, uh, David and I were talking about that uh, prior to you coming on, the fact that uh, the White Sox, and especially La Russa, you know, the, the La Russa Duncan year is now the La Russa, uh, you know, um, new pitching coach years going on with Evan Katz there, uh, with uh, Ethan Katz there. Um, you always have to have a veteran catcher, don't you, for, for a team that's going to go to a championship? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think if they had their brothers, they would have been, you know, they could have kept James McCann and maybe, you know, Dalt Grandall during the winter. And you know, they love the way, uh, you know, McCann, you know, is, is behind the plate and stuff. And you see how the pitchers love throwing to Collins, but you want some more offensive output there. And, you know, you fear, too, if you can play him a lot, you know, is he going to wear it down? But you love to have some veteran behind there, too. And I think that's why both you know, had, had interest in him. Who knows? Maybe if uh, Atlanta falls out of the race here uh, next two weeks, you know, they, they flip vote again. I, I understand that we're talking with Bob Nightingale from USA Today, who is uh, on all things baseball. Bob, I understand that, and Bruce, I, I respect that. But I feel like with the White Sox, it's like you have a luxury car and you're worried about the hood ornament. I mean, th- they're going to go places, and if they're able to get a veteran catcher, great. But to me, I think the, the, the bigger concern, Bob, and you mentioned this, and I think it kind of varies on the order depending on, on what week it is and, and maybe how, con- how the conversations go. Escobar... Frazier and Trevor Story. Those are the three names you hear most often associated with the White Sox in their search for a second baseman because of the loss of Nick Madrigal. They're going to get outside reinforcements with Eloy and Luis Robert coming back. The same's not true at second base. If you were to rank right now, this morning, in order of likelihood that the Sox could get one of those three guys, how would it go? Well, it would still be Escobar number one. And they, they pretty much. Uh, all but agreed on a trade about you know three weeks ago, and then Escobar hurt his a uh, his quadricep. He's still not running a hundred percent, and then the, the reliever, the uh, Dimex are getting back. He had a little problem, had to get a cortisone shot. Uh, so that trade can happen, you know, at, at any time. Uh, that's giving me the cheapest trade as well, in a sense, you know, uh, and they're only giving up a. Uh, a reliever for him, so it wasn't a high price tag. I think with Story, they'd love to have Story, but now you're talking about, you know, you're going to have to 
you know, pick up about you know six or seven more million dollars, you know, after already uh, swallowing Adam Eaton's contract, and they're going to want a lot for him. If they don't get a, a ton for him, they're not moving him. Uh, so you know, Bill Schmidt, you know, their interim GM, made that clear during the All Star break. In Fraser, same thing with another year of control after this. The Pirates are going to want a lot for him. And, you know, with Madrigal coming back next year, you know, you don't need Frazier, you know, uh, around uh, in 2022. So Escobar makes the most sense. He can play third base if you want to. You can have him play, you know, a little bit in the outfield too. Uh, certainly he's the Dynamax clubhouse leader, and he would be a, a great fit chemistry-wise in that clubhouse. Just a few more minutes with Bob Nightingale of USA Today joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Bob, uh, nationally, I think there's a, a story brewing in New York, and you know, Yankees win, lose, or draw are always a big story. Um, what would you say the viability of rumors that um, both Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are in serious trouble there uh, if the Yankees don't get straightened out and uh, make themselves somewhat of a contender here in this in the last uh, half of the season. Well, I think Boone's and Rolfell both to make this a playoffs. I'd be surprised if he comes back. Uh, Cashman, you know, long, long a leash, so he stays. I'd be shocked if he uh, if he got let go. But I, I think in Boone's case, they have to make the playoffs. I don't see that happening. I really don't. I, I think they're done. They're, you know, they're nine games back. Uh, you know, Boss is not going away. Tampa is not going away. You know, Toronto's uh, Toronto's just going to get better and better. So, I mean, the the team wasn't constructed well. You know, I don't know how you don't have a you know big left handed bat. You know, playing at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I mean, Schwarber right. would have been a, a a great great fit for those guys. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think you know Boone and uh, you know Troy Lovello here in Arizona. You know, are probably the, the two managers on the biggest hot seats. In the Cashman case, and I've you know I've been a huge fan and known Brian for 30 years. Um, he's been one of the greatest general managers in baseball history. But you know, as you just pointed out, it, the team is poorly constituted, and I think you know the, the 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 contract you know to their biggest slugger who can't stay healthy most of the years is probably going to drag them down for 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 many more years to come. It's just a uh, you know, it, it's just the Stanton contact, contract continues to, you know, rear its ugly head, and the fact that they aren't, they aren't very left-handed at all, and, and they're a slow team. That's got to be on Brian, doesn't it? Oh, it does. I mean, obviously the ownership sign off on you know Stanton contract, but you know, shoot, that, that cost him about two hundred sixty million dollars. You know, he hasn't played the outfield in two years. I mean, the greatest things ever happened to the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants is that Stanton turned down those trades. He had the 10 and five, he had the no trade clause and turned down deals to both of them, you know, which, you know, very lucky for those two. But yeah, those big contracts can just, uh, you know, decimate a franchise. I mean, the angels, you know, people talk about the pool holes contract. Well, the new pool holes contract is Anthony Rendon. You know, they, it's a, uh, they're already miserable. Thinking they're going to have that many years left with Rendon. Uh, he's on the date, you know, injury list for the third time this year. You know, we just invested that money in the pitching. Uh, you know, same thing with the uh, Yankees. They they should have, uh, you know, not got Stanton. Invest that money in uh, other things as well. 
So, Bob, I want to go back to the Cubs for a moment. If you had to look at the Chris Bryant market and how that has, you know, will develop or has developed, you hear the Mets, you hear the Nationals as being teams rumored to have interest in Chris Bryant. Who has the best prospect package that they could offer the Cubs, and how likely do you think it is that the Cubs actually move Chris in the next two weeks? Well, I think they'll definitely uh, move by. I really do. I think it's either going to be the Mets or the Giants. I, I don't believe the Nationals for a second. I don't, you know, they're really not even in the race. They're hanging around, but they're, they're falling apart. I mean, they just gave up 24 runs last night. So, uh, you know, I think people put the Nationals together just because there's so many boorish clients already there. The Mets are the ones, they're not afraid to blow past the uh, luxury tax. Uh, he'd be an ideal fit there just because of his versatility. He'd be a nice fit, too, with the Giants. I don't discount Bryant signing a free agent contract with the Giants. I think he's their, uh, a perfect type of a player there. But I, I would go Mets 1, Giants 2. You know, and the Cubs aren't going to get a ton back for him, uh, you know, just because of his contract and everything else. So, but, you know. I, I think they're going to get more back if they just hold on to them and, and get a first-round draft pick next year. Staying with the Cubs, do you think that there's a possibility that uh, Wilson Contreras could end up being a guy that teams either ask about or the Cubs are willing to deal? Well, they were very aggressive uh, letting teams know they were uh, willing to trade them during the winter, last winter. And uh, Atlanta was very interested, just you know, couldn't work out the package. I think if they move him, it's going to be this winter. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it right now. I just don't see that one team out there saying, uh, "You know, I got to have the starting catcher." Uh, so I, I, I think he stays put. And I think, I think Rizzo stays put, and I think Baez stays put as well. Bob, uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, always doing a great job. Uh, I imagine uh, you're going to be talking a lot of Chicago baseball here. And writing about it very much in USA Today over the next uh, couple of weeks. Thanks again for joining David and myself today. Thanks, Bob. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, David. Take care, guys. Take care. Bob Nightingale, USA Today. He is on top of all things Cubs and Sox and all things around the league, Bruce. And, you know, got some very interesting feedback in, in terms of what teams may be entering the mix for Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell. Before we break, Bruce, you did reference your story on on 670thescore.com about Kimberl and the five teams who have shown interest. Could you elaborate? Do you have a sense of which team might have the best package and which team might make the most sense? Right now, uh, you know, it appears uh, that um, the Houston Astros are a team that uh, has really uh, taken center stage about uh, possible prospects and just this uh, very big piece. I mean, Kimbrell, if you look at it realistically, David, Kimbrell is the, the best uh, bullpen guy in baseball since the last month of 2020. He's just unhittable. Uh, you watch him come in last night, the batter shouldn't have even taken a bat to the plate with him. I mean, that, that's how dominant Kimbrell is right now. So he is, the, he is a difference maker for these five teams, Houston, uh, the New York Mets, uh, the uh, Boston Red Sox, uh, the Oakland A's, uh, the San Francisco Giants. These are teams uh, that I referred to in the story uh, on 670thescore.com uh, yesterday that are serious about him. And as Bob Nightingale pointed out, when you have that many teams going after you, uh, it's incumbent upon Jed Hoyer to go ahead and, 
and milk this thing as long as he can. Make sure that uh, he doesn't get beat on a couple of these teams uh, settling for someone else. But you got the primary bullpen guy in all of baseball available, a difference maker, a, a guy that can take you to and win a World Series. You have to get something really good for him, and I, I think the Cubs will. He is the number one trade piece in all of baseball right now, the most coveted, I think, player on the market before the July 30th deadline, Bruce. A nice job. Astros, Mets, Red Sox, A's, and Giants are the five teams that Bruce Levine identified being interested in Craig Kimbrell, the Cubs closer. Check it out, 670thescore.com. And, Bruce, when we come back, we're going to talk about another closer on the other side of town. He had a very fun interview on Friday afternoon here on The Score, and we will bring you some of that next here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 674. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. We've got Sean Marshall coming up at the top of the hour for the Marquee Sports Network. Bruce, and we're talking relievers, right? We're talking about Kimbrell to Liam Hendricks. And Liam Hendricks, the fine Sox closer, was on the score on Friday afternoon with Mark Grody and Chris Ranji, who were filling in for Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Very entertaining fellow, and he, he delivered yet again. Very interesting what he had to say about how closers are being used these days. I don't necessarily need the ninth inning, but I still believe that it doesn't matter who's coming up in the seventh or the eighth or the ninth. The ninth inning, the three outs in the ninth are the hardest ones to get, regardless of if it's seven, eight, nine, or if it's two, three, four. It doesn't matter. For whatever reason, those last three outs, it, depend, it, it just comes down to the fact that sometimes – the opposition just can smell it, they can sniff it, they whatever it is, I have no idea. But those three outs at the end of the game tend to be a lot harder. Um, but I couldn't care less which inning I pitched. If their matchups come in and I'm ready, like they need me in the seventh, I'll be ready in the seventh. They need me in the sixth, I'll be ready in the sixth. It doesn't matter, I just want to pitch. So I just wait down there and wait for the phone to ring. And as soon as the phone rings, I get it going no matter what. Bruce, i got to ask you. I don't think I would recommend the seventh or the sixth or even the eighth on rare occasion. Could you see the Sox getting into the conversation for a closer because of Liam Hendricks' ability to pitch whenever and and not be one of these closers that is locked in and having to pitch the ninth all the time? Or is that ridiculous? I think there's 54 million reasons why that is not going to happen. <laughs> he he is their back end guy, and uh, I think I don't think. You know, this is just my perception. Take it for what mm-hmm. it's worth. I don't think uh, Hendricks could uh, function very well if he wasn't the closer. I, 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 if he wasn't the main act, I don't think he I, could do it. I agree with you. I, that's why I brought it up because a guy we both respect a lot, Paul Sullivan, wrote in the Tribune a good column in the wake of the news, I recommend it, um, last week about why the Sox need to go out and get in the Kimbrough conversation, right? And you've heard that suggestion about why the Sox might be able to. I, I don't like the Cubs-Sox idea, and, and I also think what you just said is one of the biggest reasons why. Neither neither Kimbrell nor Liam Hendricks are as effective for whatever reason when they're not in the ninth inning. And that's got to be something you remember when you, when you talk about these possibilities. It, it's the same situation with Trevor's story. You don't bring in a star shortstop when you already have a star shortstop, okay? It just doesn't work. You don't move him to second base. Sure, you could use his bat, and he could be a quality hitter for you. But you, you change the dynamic for him. You make uh, the, your own shortstop look over the sh- his own shoulder for a couple months, 
it's it's too funky. You know, it just doesn't oh, work. I uh, I'm, I, I know like I know that. you want them, but, oh. but this you know this isn't you know it's not all star <laughs> baseball. It's not stratomatic. You know, it's not it's not a baseball game. It's it's human beings playing the game, David. You have to you have to really care about how they respond to people that they bring in. Closers seem a little bit more touchy about the ninth inning than maybe an infielder would about moving over, but that is a very good point and a good counter. Worthy of further discussion, Bruce, but when you're going to shift gears when we come back, we're going to get to the Cubs and what's going on with them. And just as a player from from uh, somebody in that clubhouse's perspective, what it would be like to have all this swirling around. Sean Marshall can refer to his playing days. He does a terrific job at Marquee Sports Network. He will join us next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.